0: Hey everyone, today Kyle and I are joined by our good friend Bryant Mathis. We met Bryant at The Edge, which is the startup incubator and accelerator in Tuscaloosa. He's been very successful in our school's business plan pitch competitions for his idea called Locality, which we'll let, uh, we'll let him explain to you all when he starts talking here in a minute. Uh, he's come in the top three for two years in a row, earning some pretty sizable prize money towards his business. Uh, we didn't actually know each other, but he ended up being one of my good friend's roommates without us knowing, so that was a fun connection. And he's one of the most passionate and intense people about his ideas. And he loves talking about him and sharing his theories about social groups and why his idea would be so beneficial to them. So, with that, Brian, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on.
1: Hey, no problem, man. Glad to be here. It's fun.
0: Appreciate it. Uh, so, the first question is You're very passionate and intense about the things that you're interested in. I'm curious when you were younger, uh, maybe as a kid in high school or just as a child, what were some of your passions or obsessions or things that really captivated your interest?
1: So as a child, I always wanted to experiment on things Okay. Uh, per se. And I never really actually followed rules. I just kind of took something and tried to be creative or do something stupid. And in my imagination, I said, this did this. I remember I took like a piece of styrofoam, and colored it or did something to it once instead of the time machine. You know, I, like stuff mm. like that always preoccupied my mind as a child. And then as I grew older, uh, middle school and high school swimming was like my obsession uh it was just it was just so fun to compete and think about swimming all the time but you know getting into college that transition of no longer being an athlete and then also uh kind of sensing that i swimming in a way isolated me because i was you know having to travel 30 minutes for practice Mm -hmm. and none of my school friends were involved with swimming and so i just kind of found this disconnect and that's kind of where the sparks locality came from was my senior year of high school driving around. Uh, I'd messaged several people. No one responded to me um, just because they were busy or whatever else they were doing, but they didn't have a chance to just go hang out for a casual like hour, two hour block. So I just drove around aimlessly and then it's kind of hit me. What if I could like, you know, find a way to connect with people easier. Cause I could message an entire group message, but people typically ignore those type of messages because There's a lot of negative signals of saying like hey I'm super lonely come like join me for something Um, even though uh, probably there was at least two or three people that also wanted to go do something absolutely that's kind of where the idea for locality came through
0: okay that's great so can you give a description of founding locality Uh, you started a little bit about how you had the idea but when you actually started turning it from something you thought would be nice if it existed into creating it could you get into that
1: yeah, so really it's just kind of the idea it was always kind of simmering in the back of my head um, all of freshman year of college. And then I did Startup Weekend, and I realized I can turn this into a business. I was in the STEM program, and I just trying to see. It. And it took me a while to find the right team, the right group of people. And then once I found the right people, uh, you know, it, it it started turning into something real, not just an idea. Um, and that's the craziest thing is even now that it's a real app. It's on the App Store. Uh, We're still finding ways to make it more real in the sense of not just the idea of like, you know, this is how we're going to do it, of connecting people and making it easier for people to connect, but um, in real life, but that, how do we actually get that to fruition instead of just putting it in a box and saying, Mm -hmm. this is what's going to work. How do we actually make it work?
0: Okay. Uh, Um, In what
1: situations does it work?
0: Yeah. Can we back up a couple steps and explain just more? what locality is, what, where the name come from, Yeah. what the user experience is, what it's designed to accomplish, what it currently accomplishes, those kinds of things?
1: Of course. Yeah. So locality is all about helping people connect in real life and in person. So, you know, we all have, I think this is one of the big things locality looks at is that um, we all have people that we're connected to, but not our closest friends or even our closest friends, but we don't know everyone's schedule perfectly. So how do we, connect each other in those instances where our schedules fall through. If we have some free time or we have something scheduled, but we want someone else to join us, but we don't know their schedule also aligns with ours. So the whole idea of locality is, and the definition of locality is people together in a location or place doing an activity um, of the same activity. And the flux of locality changes throughout the day, depending on what people are doing in an area. And so the whole idea of locality was to try to capture that, and help people link up at the same time when they have their similar interests and groups align. And so the functionality right now as it is is you choose what groups you want to like, you know, reach out to and then say these are the uh, range of activities I'm looking to do right now and then it kind of starts things off so people can kind of join in or kind of start a conversation around going to do that particularly like closer to the moment is the goal as soon as possible. Okay. Not more like spontaneous, not more spontaneous, not planned but um, hopefully, we can figure out the balance between that.
0: Okay. And uh, you're telling us the story of how it got started. You said startup weekend. How long ago was that? Is that startup weekend 18, 17, 19? I was like 16. 16 startup weekend. So that was your freshman year of college, or when was that? Yeah, freshman year of college. Okay. Wow. And so, how many iterations would you say you've gone through in idea and teams? And I uh, so we went
1: through one team that we just kind of stuck together that weekend and talked about a bunch of stuff. And the next year, I just kind of, like, didn't really worry about it because that team wasn't able to get anything together. So I just kind of, like, you know, focused really hard on school. And then about that time, I heard about ALDAG, the business plan competition. Mm -hmm. And that's when I met Lily and Alex. And we got a team together. And then we did well placing first in that competition. Um, And then that's when we reached out to Ethan and got Ethan on board. Who's your programmer. Who's our developer, yes. Mm
0: -hmm. That's awesome. So how would you say – your strategy towards the business or your outlook towards it changed after the success in that competition, did that make you more confident in it or how did that kind of change things for you getting some money to work on the project?
1: It definitely made me more confident in the sense that this is something I can accomplish and I need to put like focus and time towards it always been something like, Oh, I can't make this happen or it would be really great. But you know, receiving an award kind of made me realize, okay, there is something to this and there is a way to do this.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, how um, much so time were 10. you spending um on the project throughout the school year because you you know you're in a pretty pretty yeah. tough major of metallurg- metallurgical engineering so like yeah. how were you able to balance that or or did you not and you just you just did it in sprints like for ADAG yeah. and then over the summer that type of thing
1: that was really my biggest issue in this last like go around is that i didn't have a great balance i just like the second i'd see something pop up i'd do it mm-hmm. and so um that was kind of my issue is always kept finding things to look how to do read about research or like work on, or, Hey, this isn't working yet, or like look over the data and just try to figure things out and just kind of get anecdotal stories, which is from using it and talking to users. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, with metallurgical engineering, it was like, I I struggled last semester a lot um, because of the weird balance with it.
0: Uh, Um, Let's, let's talk a little bit more about the users. Can you give some examples you said uh, before we were talking before the interview started there have been some successful facilitations of social groups and people hanging out through the app. Can you get a little bit into what experiences have come together from people using the app?
1: Yeah, of course. Um, My one really example that's been sticking with me recently um, is because we, we kind of saw not a great success we were hoping to see Mm -hmm. from just people getting together at random by clicking some buttons and then seeing each other on the app and then going to do something. But what we saw success. In was when people were already together in a group or doing something, um, then pressing buttons, then they go do something different together that wasn't planned. Okay. Or they already had a social context, as we to kind of call it, of you know, social understanding of where they're going, um, that led them into a new context through locality. And so my prime anecdotal story for this is I went to a startup drink uh event and there was another group there called Spark Tuscaloosa. Um uh, Josh Chahib, as you know, uh, is like kind of the leader of that group. And he got like a bunch of them all in locality, tell them all about it. And they were just kind of playing around with the app, you know, putting their names in, like hitting some buttons. Like, oh man, I want to get some food after we get some drinks. And then four or five of us like hit that button and like saw someone wanted food and we're like, oh, we're all hungry. And realized like, it wasn't just a joke. We'd actually go get food and ended up four of us went to get food together at Taco Mama down the street which was not planned. Like mm-hmm. I wouldn't have gone with these people, I didn't know at all, if they just came up to me and asked me. Exactly. You know what I mean? Um, so this kind of helped facilitate that. So we're trying to really find ways of how do you take a already known setting that people are comfortable with and transition them to a new one. And we think this like, locality can be useful for that.
0: Well, I think what you talked about there and just described actually proves a really interesting example of how that could work because everyone on the app silently kind of in their own private space puts in like communicates to nobody just in a friction-free way. Hey, these are the things I'd be interested in doing after this without any sort of social pressure of people wanting to do it or not. Whereas, you know, like you said earlier, you put something in a group chat and no one responds and all of a sudden you're the weird person who uh, just needs to use a group chat to find people to hang out with. But if instead in a very silent kind of private way, you express, Hey, uh, after this, sure. I'd like to eat. I'd like to go do this. I'd like to do that. Uh, and no one, doesn't really see that unless all of a sudden a lot of people express that same desire and all of a sudden it's cool and it happens so i think that's a really interesting way to make more social interactions happen that everyone wants without the pressure of communicating communicating that in a way that you might get rejected and uh feel left out of the group or feel negative emotional experiences from trying to communicate that in a different way
1: yeah, that's definitely a good thought and like that's kind of the direction we've been trying to take it um there's some there's some difficulties trying to implement this in a lot of ways though uh the current version you can kind of see what everyone posts in particular groups that you're involved in um the original version we worked with uh we called it, okay, it was based off reciprocity and the idea of like you know that we both have to agree to terms before you're allowed the information and okay. so in that original model it was um, like i had to choose the same group and the same activity for us to be able to see what each other were are doing, which the issue of that is you can't see positive reinforcing signals sometimes. And then another thought, like something we didn't think about even was that sometimes people are just going through because they don't quite understand the process very well, um, which is on us. It should be easy. Users shouldn't have to think or understand things to use it. Okay. Um, uh, was that you go through this like funnel of choosing what group and activity you want to do. Then you like, End up with someone you don't really understand, like you're both there at the same time. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just kind of like you don't know what to do with that. And so it's like balancing those things of, you know, how do you get a positive signal and also like understand why you're both there at the same time?
3: Okay.
0: Uh, And I know you've got a lot of influences, a lot of people you look up to in the startup world and entrepreneurship, especially with iPhone apps and things like that. Could you get into who you've drawn inspiration from and how you've learned from them and some of the lessons you're trying to implement from? their success stories into uh, what you're trying to accomplish here
1: yeah that's for sure um one of the things i've kind of been recently thinking about is you know success stories and it's honestly just comes down to the people this isn't a particular person but it's you just kind of keep iterating and that's a classic thing people talk about but um i just think of like what y combinator says all the time of like just iterate on what you're doing because you're gonna think too much of this is my idea and so I always thought about Steve Jobs a lot he had like a great vision for what he was doing I think the vision is important but at the same time you have to make something that, that actually works mm-hmm. and so um, that's kind of where we're at at this point uh, but I've always you really enjoyed, love Facebook
2: like, too you really draw oh, yeah. a lot of a lot of inspiration from Facebook and Zuckerberg and you know we've had extensive conversations about um, like group yeah. theory and and all that comes in there
1: yeah, that's really, I mean, you're right. I just, I haven't really thought about a lot too much of other people recently. So it's just mm-hmm. not fresh in my mind. Sure. But I know, uh, like, for example, like with Zuckerberg, it's always just really interesting how much he started focusing on uh, more of the psychology, sociology than you think he would have being a programmer. Um, sure. I was
0: going to say, even like the social network movie, they really underplay that part of things. From Zuckerberg, whereas you're kind of bringing up how no, he was actually a lot more thoughtful of the implications of this in terms of social dynamics between people. Uh, I know you've done a lot of reading about the academic kind of theories of these things. Can you get into a little bit of some of those theories that have been really impactful for uh, some of the, like maybe your reading list or what particular books or articles you've drawn inspiration from to set up and model the group behavior you want to see?
1: Yeah, so some of the most influential books and and, and one of the most interesting books that comes straight to mind is uh, How Behavior Spreads. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of the author. I'll have it with me. Uh, David Amendola, I believe, is his name. I could be completely wrong. Uh, Yeah, you definitely uh, got the
0: title, so that's what what matters.
1: Yeah, How Behavior Spreads. Anyway, it's it's really interesting. uh, and this time, you know, with the, the coronavirus, it's it's kind of the funny thing because you never think about epidemiology much, but that's how people used to think behavior spread. Was the same way? It was in the same way a virus spreads, right? Like just contact. But in fact, it's modeled much differently and they call it the science of complex behavior in which um, it takes reinforcing signals to get a behavior going. And so let's say the three of us are a group and we're always doing something. Let's say, mm-hmm. you know, you and Kyle start doing something, Lewis, all the time. I'm much more likely to adopt that. Okay. Than if it was just like you by yourself doing it. And that's kind of how it is. It's like some certain types of behaviors take more signals from other people before you adopt it. You know, kind of the idea of like Facebook or Twitter. It's like the more people that get on the service, the more likely like other people are gonna use it, depending on how many. It's a network effect. Network effect, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so but more in the sense of not just the effect of how you you enumerate it, but also like because um, if you look at the spread of Twitter or Facebook, they both went by, like, local areas, area by area. It didn't just start, like...
0: They told line at once. Exactly. It was in or
1: pockets. Or it didn't go from... Exactly. Or it didn't just spread out to a bunch of random people and then spread all the random people from there. It was in pockets, the pocket to pocket. Okay. Um, and that's why Facebook went college by college um, at the start of the, you know, social network. Because so they wouldn't have enough density of people using it at the same time. Okay. Um. And so complex behavior goes into that in depth at like a very academic level. Um. The author is a professor at UPenn and like the sociology department. But he has degrees in sociology and physics, and so it kind of brings that analytical mind to sociology, okay. which is really interesting. Um. And another book I like is a pretty well-known one, uh, uh, Habits. Hmm. Uh. The power. No, it's the power of habit. Um.
3: By Charles. It's a student. really good
1: book. Yeah, that one. That's a good one. Uh, but it kind of talks on individual habits and then like organizational habits and societal habits. And then kind of understand the interplay of all those is important. Okay. Uh, and then uh, kind of the last thing is, uh, or not the last thing, but there's, there's sure. a bunch of other things to yeah. talk about. Uh, network effects is always interesting and how you mathematically represent that. At one point, I got two under the weeds on that. And, like <laughs> Chasing really rabbits? At that. Chasing rabbits, yeah. I'm trying to understand like, how to model that and the importance of that uh, because I've kind I of realized there's a difference between quantitative and qualitative. Um, by the time something's like quantitative, it, it's kind of sometimes lost its meaning in a lot Interesting. of ways. Um, one of the best examples I know of that is a sort of the Ford Edessa. I don't know if that's correct or Essel. It's the Ford Essel. Um, it was a car back in the fifties and Ford was like, we're going to make the perfect consumer car. And so what they did was that they went around and surveyed everyone in the country, different groups of people. What's the type of cool car you imagine? How does it look for this type of, you know, class or whatever? And by the time they compiled all this information and said, this is what the perfect car consumers are going to want looks like. Uh, it was a complete flop because, you know, a year or two later when they like compiled all that and understood it completely to make the car, the preferences and things had already changed. Okay. Within consumers.
0: So they spent too much time researching and trying to mm -hmm. build the perfect product. Uh, And in that process, things were changing faster than they could keep up with. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's also plays Uh, into uh, a lot of the iteration techniques, you know, you're talking about earlier. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So you bring up, yeah, you bring up a couple of really interesting uh, resources. Could you talk about how you've worked in some of those ideas into your product? Not just think just for, you know, stoking thought, but in, Terms of actually shaping your decision making about user experience and uh, the way the product works.
1: Of course, yeah. Um, so in terms of like network effects and as well as um, you know complex behavior, we looked. We focused on groups as our core functionality because we realized um, you know that's the best way to reciprocate behavior is groups. But then we also kind of realized that to get a complex behavior going. Um, you need something to attract people there, so there's enough people. But we realized uh, groups is a really good way to go to get those two things going, um, because if you look at a network effect, you can a lot more value out of a number of people that are connected. Mm-hmm. Um, if you make more groups out of them rather than just you know a media stream like an Instagram feed or a television of how many people are watching it, um, that's just a linear relationship um, with like the number of you know people looking at it. Um, and then you have the two way connections, like a you know marketplace of how many transactions you can make. And then there's the idea of how many groups you can make or make useful. And that's the most important thing is you can okay. make a lot of groups, but how many groups can you make useful and interactive and engaging? Okay. Because we're in different social groups every day. And so the, the whole, the whole focus, the whole focus was to make more groups that were useful to people throughout the day.
0: Okay. Um, like the subset of all total solid. groups that are potentially useful and how do you how do you make that determination of what makes a group potentially viable from you know the sub the the total set of all possible combinations of the people that you're working with
1: and it just comes down to how much people use that potential group right it's like self-determined in like locality is that you choose um what group you want to hang out with and then you choose the activity and whatever subgroup develops from that is a useful group. Is the idea, and so mm. it's user determined on like what group is useful because you can make any number of combination of people or things to do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's just an extraordinary amount of like things you could potentially do with the number of people you can do them with, all a different result. But it's like how do you facilitate that to happen, large amounts of time and repeatedly?
2: It's like your end goal. Ways? Your end goal would be to like have groups that are created by locality. That way, like. You know that the users want to use the app and have used it and have had a good experience like if if a bunch of random people meet up to climb a mountain together through locality they're a lot more likely to continue to use locality in other parts of their life i think
1: yeah that's a good point um it's definitely like one thing we need to work towards is like getting that positive user experience Mm -hmm. then also like a call to action for that second experience Mm-hmm. um and it's just how do we route things in that direction to get that you know going
0: yeah like you're saying with uh the power of habit if you can find a way to make locality the action so if people, you know the the basic structure from that book is cue routine reward right as the basic structure mm-hmm. of a habit so if their cue is some desire to have social interaction you have to find a way to integrate locality as that action that they take when they feel that desire to socialize and if that, and that's what thing. they if, exactly if that's what they turn to then you'll get them to continue turning to it and it'll start compounding on itself
1: which is good but that's the, the biggest issue right now we have you know quote quote competitors of you know other social media platforms right that are focused around giving the immediate social hit you know mm. um you know instagram i can see what's going on around the world much easier than i can actually going to play a game of basketball and i can look at what's going on in the NBA. And so maybe a social desire is already being filled. Um, another thing is just the activation energy of like getting to a place and coordinating things is a lot more difficult. Uh, but, you know, on top of that, another thing we've realized is, and this is another thing I've researched and learned about a lot. It's really fascinating. It's called Dunbar's Number.
0: Um, you I heard about, about Dunbar. It. Yeah. yeah. It. Explain, it. Explain it though.
1: Yeah. So it's really interesting. I first heard about it when I was listening to Reed Hoffman talk and then I like finally like, Googled it read about on Wikipedia then I looked up some of his research papers um essentially what it is it's it's a number that is about 150 you know in that range of people uh, 140 to like you know 180 200 but typically 150 is the number Dunbar's number and it's saying like that's the number of people that we can consider like we have a real close personal relationship with in a sense and so it breaks down in different units. It's so like the five closest five people you're close to, like your five closest friends. And then including those five people, you have 15 like good friends. And then including those 15 good friends and then the including the five good friends, best friends, you have 35 friends. And then from the 35 friends, you have like, 100
0: like two, another
1: 100 acquaintances, right? Mm-hmm. And that's about as many people as we can kind of keep track of in a sense. We can know more people, right? Mm-hmm. But it's how many can we, like, keep track of as, like, our social, you know, experience as a human. Um, another thing that I found interesting recently, uh, I was reading an article, I believe it was from The Atlantic, um, that talked about a psychologist that was offered a job of, like, you know, I'd say a lot more money than your typical psychologist professor would make, a six-figure salary. But he would have to move to, like, Moscow, for, like, eight months out of the year. Away from his family, and he chose to stay with his family. Um, and essentially, like, one thing our brain does is kind of from his research and things he's learned since then is that any free second our brain has, it goes to a system of thinking about our social relationships. Really? It's kind of what our higher, yeah, that's really what it is. It's our higher functionality isn't necessarily like solving problems per se, it's more about how do we perceive socially situations to figure out what's going on. Because the way we've kind of evolved is like, you know, is bet on like cooperation and so our brain is always trying to understand the best way to navigate a social situation um from our perspective and like how do we best adapt to that
0: yeah so what do you think some of the implications are of the massive usage of uh social media whether it's snapchat or instagram people using that in huge amounts on a daily basis with that in mind right if your baseline uh default thinking is okay i'm not doing any problems right now so i'm just gonna catalog and take an assessment of my social life right now in my situations how do you think social media affects that compared to you know more prehistoric or not prehistoric but pre-modern more simplified social dynamics
1: yeah it's, it's definitely I feel like we're always overloaded in a sense um and, and it's kind of going back to the idea of locality as well where I was kind of get to bringing up Dumbo's number and I'll tie this all in um,
0: yeah do it let's see it
1: but Dunbar's number, essentially, that's kind of what issues we run into with locality sometimes is that your five closest friends that you typically get most of your social value from, and then over that, your 15, those are the ones that you can normally just text and say, hey, let's go do something. And you'll 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 both figure it out. And so locality, it's more about those further, you know, reaching connections, or at least it was designed originally in that, that
3: intent.
1: And so it's difficult to kind of include those in when you don't have as much driving force in a sense to go do those things. And so we just have to reduce that friction a lot. And so when you can already meet your social requirements by like, you know, three or four people. Um, But on top of that, you know, social media has been easy and slash hard because you have unlimited access to like a larger range of people that kind of give you that like tail end, but it's very surface level. And also Mm -hmm. it makes you think about and consider things that you might not need to think are important. So like, you know, do we really need to know what all the influencers in the world are doing? um no we don't i mean to some very 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 surface extent like it it might be helpful in some ways of you know a conversation starter Mm -hmm. um but that's about it it's a shared commonality Mm -hmm. between people uh but at the same time there's just so much that we value socially that we sometimes it's more distracting because of social media and i think um i think that's why sometimes i know me personally i've kind of seen it it causes me to like struggle you know with school focus and also like work focus because i'm trying to find a sense of meaning and purpose or social drive and sometimes i'm getting conflicting signals of what i should be valuing
0: yeah, yeah right? that's what and i
1: think like i was
0: gonna say that's, that's what, what re- everyone's suffering for yeah that's what really draws me uh to like your idea so much as you your end goal uh not or one of your end goals is for more quality real in-person social interactions not like in your mind, just liking each other's posts on Instagram and having going back and forth in the comment section that doesn't, that's not socializing or if it is, it's such a low value that it shouldn't even be really considered socializing. It might satisfy a short term need, but in your, like in your heart or whatever you want to say in your soul, you don't feel that deeper fulfillment that comes from actually being in a real group of people and being able to read people's facial expressions and communicate in those uh, more pre-verbal ways that really are what contribute to meaningful social experiences. And you're trying to find a way to facilitate a group of people uh, meet with new people or your existing friends, finding a way to in the margins of your schedule or just in casual informal senses have those higher quality interactions that actually lead to more long-term happiness and more deeper relationships on a more frequent and higher quality basis. So I think that's really a noble, noble effort. And that's why I'm really behind it so much.
1: Yeah, it's definitely the, the goal is to make it much more real because I think one of the things I've kind of learned, which just thinking about these things and also reading is that honestly, social media seems more of an ego-based network. And that's why I think it's powerful and it's easy to get people on is because it's about your ego in a sense of how your mm-hmm. ego fits into, you know, your social situation, which is one thing we all really care about is like how we define our ego socially, um, who we are as a person. Our what, identity. What,
0: what do you want to project yourself to look like to other people?
1: It, yeah, exactly, and it's all about us in a sense. But locality—that's why I think it's been more difficult in times because it's not about your ego, right? It's not about okay. pumping yourself up. It's about actually doing something, which could be different than how you perceive your ego. Um, and so that's one thing I've—I've I've kind of found difficult is it needs to be more about. It doesn't need to be, but that's why I think social media is so you know about your ego because the, the one of those interesting right now is the uh, the until tomorrow thing because you know, I ended up doing that just because. What is it? Um, uh, on social media right now it's going pretty viral basically like someone will post a po- picture like an embarrassing photo and it says until tomorrow and then if you like it the person will DM you and say hey you like my photo you now have to post an embarrassing picture of yourself until tomorrow and uh, so many people are posting it and I kind of started thinking about it it's like honestly I enjoyed putting you know embarrassing photos on myself because I'm defining how I am embarrassing you know and defining that mm-hmm. limit.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you're getting to set your. You're getting to set your own boundaries on what an embarrassing photo of yourself looks like. It's kind of like the social media yeah. equivalent of a humble brag. You know what I mean? It's where
2: <laughs> exactly you're able to like.
0: It's like uh, this. It's a picture exactly. where you still look good, but like you're in pajamas, but you still look good. So like that's embarrassing, you know, in air quotes. But you're still trying to say, but my embarrassing is still is still super cool.
1: Exactly, because I mean, like my embarrassing pictures was one of me, you know, on top of a mountain. Uh, the other was <laughs> embarrassing. Yeah, I mean, I do. I'm so was,
0: embarrassed that I do interesting things.
1: I mean, it was like you couldn't really tell us on top of mountain It was like a really awkward face. Uh, and then another one I posted because I, I did like four in one post. Um, was me in a dress because right? I lost the bet once freshman year.
0: Exactly. So you're trying to communicate yeah. ways in which you're cool and interesting with under the guise of embarrassing yourself. <laughs> exactly. So
1: many people are posting photos that aren't like overly embarrassing, but it's like it makes you look more interesting. And I think that's where I see the ego kind of come in in some places, right?
2: You need to include in locality some feature yeah. where you can see how many things that you've done with other people. It's like, yeah. so you can that flex. would be cool. You need some like, <laughs> yeah,
0: you got to take advantage of that. Uh, whether or not it's a toxic drive or not, you can maybe find a way to link it into your app to get that same virality or virility of, of growth and usage. Cause if you find some way to flex on your friends, like, Oh, I'm so good at locality. I've met 35 new people and, done all these cool things and I don't know just some ideas
1: yeah I think that would be we, we've kind of thrown ourselves around but we always kind of back off of it because we got too much into the idea of like you know being more about the you know the meeting itself but I really think it's you have to put people in an environment in which they feel comfortable and right now you kind of come on locality and if you don't have a group or you only have one group you know you kind of come into an empty environment so it's like how do we make that environment more welcoming and like captivating because yeah. I remember the first time I ever downloaded Instagram, which I will say is my favorite social like media. Mm-hmm. Um, I just remember when I first got it sophomore year of high school. I spent hours just on the Explorer, just like trying to like look at different types of people, and just like being so captivated by that. Um, and so I think there's there's none of that when you get to locality. It just feels very blank.
0: Okay, um, that's why you try to onboard groups at a time, right? Because exactly, that- yeah. If you bring on, like, for example, you're trying to get my fraternity, or at one point you're in discussions with, if you mm-hmm. take on a whole fraternity at once, uh, it's a really good target sample group, because there's a couple guys that are really close in small little cliques within the fraternity, but everyone in the fraternity is at least vaguely f- acquainted with every other member in the fraternity, and they have the potential to get along, but just because of the limitations of in-person social interaction and existing methods, you're unlikely to have those spontaneous interactions. With a smaller subset and have those clicks yeah. break out, so that's why I think you know that was a really smart strategy how to try to bring in groups like that at a time. Where yeah, like it's, it's almost like it's
2: like the same thing as with having a pre-existing event that you're tying it to, it's mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. having a pre-existing group and a
0: pre-existing context.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah,
2: in order. And to, that's where
1: we realize. Yeah, continue.
2: I was going to say just in order to have that um, you know natural progression. Where you, where you go from one event to a bunch of smaller events, which happens with pretty much everything you do, like chapter, for example, or mm-hmm. startup events. you know, yeah, it, it um, leads directly into these smaller activities. And I think that's
1: like exactly what you're saying, Kyle, is like that's the reason in the direction we need to start going more is you have a bigger event and you break it and Like we're the kind of key that gets you into those smaller events and make sure you have a smaller event. Because one of the issues we originally realized, like what, Lewis saying, you know, the idea of onboarding an entire fraternity, if we get an entire group on there, but it's at a moment when they don't have something already going, and they don't have a reason to click all the buttons for that group at that time, like not everyone's going to want to do the same thing at the same time in that same group, right? And so, you know, think about it. It's like social media, it's not time dependent, right?
0: Asynchronous. I
1: could post something, yeah, it's, it has to be synchronized, right? Like I can post something like right now. And you could look at it like three hours from now, and you still get that value, right? But like, if I wanted to go use something on Locality right now, like go for a walk, like if you check two hours from now, that's not going to help you out. And so that's kind of been our one of our big issues is just having enough people on at the same time to get that value. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's why we've kind of realized like going from one bigger event like a chapter meeting or like what we thought about even like a church service, and then helping people you know click buttons and Go through like what what are we looking to do? Here are the small groups we're with right now, going to do our next thing. Like, that's what we need to kind of focus on is that transitional point. And then hopefully once people kind of get the experience out of that, they can use it in other ways as well. well. But exactly um, that's that's what we've kind of noticed is yeah. that it needs enough people at one time. If you just give it to a group without like an event already happening, you know, they have no reason to reuse it. Yeah. And extending from that bar incident where we kind of you know, stumbled into having lunch later or dinner later, that group doesn't have a frequent meeting time. You know, they meet it's like, like once, once a month, month right? A month. Yeah. And so I don't even know if like, they met again after that, since I'd seen them because it was like happened in like February. Okay. And now this whole thing happened, but it's like, you know, you need a reoccurring thing to remind you, Hey, we do this at this event and you're not really going to remember, have a reason to use it between then. Mm-hmm. And so if we can find a semi-regular regular event that happens where you can use locality to spawn into little events, that'd be really good.
0: yeah, that'd be great. Uh, one there's thing certainly, we,
2: there's certainly a critical mass of users that you need and a critical mass of like people that are willing to um, initiate uh, social interactions in order for it to in order for it to work. And I think that what you're talking about is these these um, pre-existing groups, you know gives that mm-hmm. a like a context to flourish within like yeah. a, a group of people and a group of change makers, like people that are willing to put themselves out there on the app. Yeah. You
1: know? I think that's the thing. It's not just the, you know, existing group. It's also a existing activity, mm-hmm. pre existing event that's already going on. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you yeah. have the two keys of lab, well, my group, my people, then I also have like the thing we're doing and then locality can easily shift the thing you're doing and the exact group you're with into a more, like, you know, a different one.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, one, to shift gears a little bit, one thing we haven't gotten into, which I think is really interesting about your business, a lot of uh, young entrepreneurs kind of skip this step, which is something you haven't, something you didn't skip, which is what I think is really cool. And you might have some insight on is the patent process. Uh, I know you've gotten into trying to protect your idea. Uh, mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about your experience with kind of trying to take ownership of what unique insight you think you brought into with this app?
1: Yeah, so I when I had the idea originally, I was like, well, this could potentially be a patent because, you know, I've always thought, like, if it is something that could work really well, how do we protect that? And so I kind of went into that. Um, I just kind of, like, Googled around, honestly, and found a firm in Atlanta. Uh, it's a pretty good firm. Uh, Founders Legal. Um, it's a very sporadic process, really. I just talked with my attorney, and he, first of all, he just wanted to make sure I actually, like, had something that was real not just like some random idea. Mm-hmm. And then I have, a have applied for a process patent. And the idea is, and it's very, it's very cut and dry, right? Like you can, you, if you get the same result in a different way, well, then I can't do anything about it. Um, and we don't even quite use that exact process anymore. We might start going back towards that and implement parts of it, but I'm mean, very general, but also very specific at the same time. Okay. Um, It's like there are specific steps, but the things that they include are very broad. So it's like, you know, you have like a friend group and then like you go straight to like an activity and they filter or they like, you know, categorize each other. And so, and I think it wasn't a bad idea to start with that, but um, it was a lot of like overhead um, mm-hmm. and getting it published, I guess makes it legit uh, it at least is possibly patentable, but I don't know how much it is going to protect us in the end. Okay. Um, that's interesting. Yeah. But it is at least something that like, if you're not like, like you know, it's something that's there. Right. And people have to be wary of potentially. Um, I I don't not I do not believe I've been granted the patent yet, um, but if you Google patents my name, it will pop up
0: as the, the application. B- yeah, yeah. So,
2: so uh, I'm sure you learned a lot through that process, though.
1: Yeah, it was really fascinating. First of all, I realized like, um, yeah, you can write your own patent, but it's like, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing I did do myself is I had to work with an attorney to write all that. Um, it was a relatively good rate I got, but, um, the main thing is I did all the background research to make sure that there are no other patents that existed that like mine interfered with or overlaps. Um, and I literally just went on like uspto.com and like googled search, like key terms, read those patents, tried to get an understanding of them. And then like clicked to related patents that they refer to. I just kept repeatedly doing that until I kind of got a sense of like the space. And that was pretty interesting. Um, but I will tell you it's really difficult sometimes to read like legal jargon for like complex processes and like what they're trying to describe.
0: (laughs) I bet, I bet that's not super entertaining.
1: No, but I think I like a good enough scope to realize there wasn't anything exactly that we could like say that we infringe on. Um, and if so we have to defend the patent. Um, but so far I haven't heard anything about that.
2: Okay. Um, so a piece of locality is um, connecting people over similar interests, like different <clears throat> hobbies that one may have. What are some of your favorite, favorite things that you do? Like hobby wise.
1: Hobby wise. Yeah. Um, swim? I love hike. I haven't been swimming as much. Um, I wish it's more banging the habit out of that, but locality be perfect for me in swimming. Uh, I go swimming with, uh, remember Ryan and, uh, Zach from uh, Camjan at the Edge. Yeah, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, yeah, I just, I'll go swimming with them some mornings. They'll just text me and be like, hey, we're going to swim in, like Wednesday mornings. Mm-hmm. And if I'm like able to, if I'm getting myself up in time, like I'll go swim with them. Um, It's been pretty fun just kind of like see them, hang out with them a little bit, catch up. And then just, I mean, I don't really like swim to exercise. I just kind of goof around a little bit. Yeah. Um, But it is nice. I, I do miss a little bit. So swimming, that's a good one. And like, that's what I'm saying. Like if I could have like a reliable, like locality group of, and that's one thing I've also learned with locality is that it kind of hits on that spontaneous, but, you know, someone like you, Lewis, who is, you know, very, you know, rigid and like very disciplined, which I've learned is like really important. Um, the more I've just kind of like continued in life is that sometimes you have such a you know fixed thing that it's hard to just kind of switch things up mm-hmm. or if you're going to do something, you're going to do it. Uh, but you know, so swimming for me is a hobby and then, uh, Hiking a lot. I enjoy hiking a lot. Um, I love going to the River Walk, hammocking. It's a lot mm-hmm. of fun there. Uh, there's actually a rope swing on the River Walk that I don't advertise. I'm not going to, you know, but
3: that's the a lot of fun. For <laughs> well,
1: I'm not going to tell you where
0: it's and at. a trade fans. secret.
1: And I'll tell you like, if, if you want to go with me one day. But uh, <laughs> I seriously, like, because I'm planning to go back to Tuscaloosa uh, with, hopefully within next week or two. And yeah, I think Ethan's still there. And our okay. plan is just to, like, do school stuff together and then like because like we'll be like the only two people in town and then go swimming yeah. like almost every day in the river
0: yeah not gonna so. be much competition after
2: <laughs> no, Touch on the discipline uh aspect of what yeah. you said I, I will tell a short story about your team at locality so our, our first um yeah. our first day at the crimson entrepreneurship academy <laughs> we all did it together um each group had well each person had to say one word that described them. Um, I think I said, like, moving or something because I was busy. But um, locality <laughs> as a group, the three of them said, the first person said discipline, the second person said equals, and the third person said freedom. So I, I think that uh, <laughs> you're talking about discipline on, on this podcast is very in character. Yeah. it's So uh,
1: this is allusion to another podcast. Um, Ethan's one of Ethan's big role models is uh, Jocko Willink. Mm-hmm. Um, who does his own podcast? He's a really interesting guy. He was a, I believe former Navy SEAL, uh, who served in Iraq, in Afghanistan. Uh, but he his his motto is discipline equals freedom, and that's where Ethan got it.
0: Um, yeah.
1: Ethan actually has a tattoo on his uh, on his arm, bicep.
0: Yeah.
1: On his bicep. Yeah.
0: Now we're planning on having so, Ethan on in a couple days. He'll probably do a deep dive on that and give us the whole. Oh, he will go. He will
1: go way into that. Well, we're
0: anyway. gonna, we're gonna we're gonna chase rabbits <laughs> when we bring up Jocko, but that's okay. We like chasing Dude, rabbits. He is a
2: renaissance man. Yeah. 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 No, he, he, Ethan straight uh, up is.
0: Yeah, he does that. He's awesome. Uh, so those are some yeah. interesting habits. What do you think are some? Uh, I guess we'll kind of get into some of the bonus round questions now.
1: Oh wait, I also love card games.
0: You also love card games. What board card games, games? Card games. Or what board games? Uh,
1: uh, I'm trying to think. So there's a game called Secret Hitler. Have you played that?
0: Yeah, I played Secret Hitler.
1: It's so fun, dude. I it's enjoy a good game. that. Um i enjoy uh exploding kittens that's always all a lot of fun
2: dude a locality uh, for board games would be or, or like group games would be pretty interesting that'd
1: be good yeah that would be interesting
2: i mean we have like
1: yeah we can make a group for group games we have the activity per se but we don't have yeah a group a dedicated group for it we can make a giant that, that could potentially work well
0: start building that out yeah uh, but it's
1: really interesting right now. It's like, you know, we're all away from campus and like so localities are helping people meet in person. But it's completely yeah, mute at this point with all
0: social isolation. Yeah. Locality is probably funny. illegal right now. It's, it should probably be. <laughs> it will be a good be time illegal. to launch
2: though once this is all
0: over. Exactly. Maybe better yeah, than itching there. to do stuff together.
1: That's a great point. Because I just thought it was really funny the other day. I was like talking to Lily and I was like, hmm, I can't really do anything at all. Like, it's like. Normally it's a great thing to do things in person, but right now it's like, well, no. Nope. Yeah.
0: And you, you have to put in a setting on locality that maximizes the group size of two people. So once two people agree to do something <laughs> together, you just stop anyone else from joining, lock them out. <laughs> At that point, yeah. Fair. At that point, it just becomes a dating app though.
1: It does. Yeah. Unless you know they're just really wanting to go like have a jogging buddy or something. That's
0: true. That's true. Yeah. Uh, so one of the uh, questions we like to ask are, what are some just things that anytime you think about it fascinate you?
1: Um, really like one thing that just always gets me is like, how much are we actually like learning or perceiving a given moment? It's like, you know, like sometimes I realize like how I look at things is sometimes subjective and like totally wrong. Sometimes so I've just kind of learned recently. It's like, you have to, the whole idea of like knowing yourself, right? um and, that, and thats kind of getting the whole idea of like how much can we better ourselves. And I've kind of realized like one of the best ways to do that is like learning and like learning to learn. I think is the thing that fascinates me the most is like learning to learn. Like changes us, but like, also is like kind of what life's about in a
0: way. Learning how to learn, or learning for the sake of learning, or both.
1: Both in a sense of like learning how to learn, but you can always learn how to learn better. Mm-hmm. You know, and adapting that skill because you know I kind of realized in reflective in a reflective sense of like always kind of looking back on myself is, um, and that's one thing I guess that captivates me is like just trying to understand myself. But um, looking back in high school, I just haphazardly learned things. You know, I was I was relatively smart, um, and I was able to just kind of like go through school by just kind of like happening to do well, like listening a little bit, paying attention. I never had to make an intentional point of how am I going to learn this material.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: um getting to college it was like i have to figure out how to understand these things i have to find a system i have to trick myself i have to learn the skills that i need mm-hmm. to learn and how do i best you know remember things learn things understand yeah. concepts and i think that's what some people don't realize is that it's sometimes about how effectively you do something um because you know i think like one of the things that was interesting with you like, you told me this summer was the whole like 25 hour you know not 25 hour, 25 minute, like, you know, study session thing, mm-hmm. you know, 25 Pomodoro minutes 25 minutes off. Pomodoro yeah. technique. Yeah. And I watched a video on YouTube the other day and it was like a guy talking about not the technique itself, but like how in studies shows that your attention and focus just drop substantially if you don't give yourself a break after about that amount of time. Mm. And that if you just stare at paper, you're not actually learning. It's not because you're stupid. It's just, you can't focus. And then if you do that long enough, you know, let's say I study for like six hours, but I'll give myself a break. Like my energy levels are gonna be so low. And by the next time I try to study, I'm just going to remember that how miserable it was at that piece of paper. Right. Yeah. And so that's one thing. It's like, how do we kind of manage ourselves, figure out how to do the things we need to do. And that, that's always just like, cause the answer is always different. The answer is like, but it's always the same. And like, there is a certain way to do things, but like, it's the result of like, the different activities you have to do to do those things are different, but like the rule they follow is always kind of the same.
0: Sure. Yeah. It was a good time for you to plug ultra learning. That's true. Ultra (laughs) learning. Uh, it's a book I read recently and I'm writing a summary of it about nine Mm -hmm. principles to accelerate your learning techniques and make yourself better at learning. Uh, the book's all about learning how to learn about, uh, how to be more effective at learning hard things quickly, which is very valuable. And I think that's something we didn't really talk about this very much. Uh, I mean, you're studying metallurgical engineering, but kind of sounds like you're really wanting to go the whole entrepreneurship and startup route. And what you yeah. bring to our attention uh, in your last answer is one of the kind of unstated benefits of studying engineering, even if that's not something you want to do, right? Uh, from the process of attempting something very difficult in school, you're having very valuable realizations about, okay, how do I learn better? How do I become more intentional about Uh, Studying in a way that's effective in terms of time, effective in terms of it's pleasant and not miserable. And do I actually have to be able to be confident and successful at reproducing this material on an exam or something like that? Because that's a real, sounds like even though you're not planning on becoming a metallurgical engineer immediately or that's not your end game, it's taught you how to learn effectively, which I think is really interesting.
1: Yeah, no, it's definitely. And that's one thing. This is actually a really interesting kind of like anecdotal story I have as well. Go for it. and this isn't like down anything at all. It's just kind of like one day I was helping, uh, uh, my like pastor's kid with his like math homework. He's like in seventh grade and it's literally just kind of like different linear equations and like solving for X. And I was just kind of helping him go through and like understand how to like manipulate things in order to like solve for X. You know, the next day I'm studying with a group of friends in the library, uh, for a theory of probability tests. Uh, and another girl was hanging out with us as well. She was studying, um, Operation management, I think, OM. And essentially it was just kind of like I was looking at like the problem she was like kind of confused about, and it was like how do you find the break-even point of like certain pieces of equipment compared to each other? Of like, you know, each of these machines have different fixed costs, but then they have like different variable costs.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And so like one machine might cost more, but like it produces like 10 it produces like units at like a rate of like $10 per unit instead of like $15 per unit. As like how do you find a break even point? And like the professor gave them like this equation that you just plug everything in and like that gives you your answer between the two things. And I just kind of looked at it for a second. I realized it was just you know setting them up as linear equations and solving for x. okay, but they don't explain it that way. They explained it as like, here's this equation use it for this mm-hmm. situation.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And it was just kind of interesting to me how I helped a seventh grader with one thing presented in one form, and then I helped a you know college student, you know, with a similar type of problem, but actually applied.
0: Yeah. I think and that's like, uh, if
1: you can. Yeah.
0: I was going to say that brings up like two really interesting points. The first is that's a really good example of transfer, right? Uh, you very, that's yeah. kind of a good barometer for learning is if you're able to be given information in one context and realize it's the application in another on, through your own doing, that's the real test of learning. And, uh, or the opposite point, right? If you learn something in one, cont- one context and you're not able to apply it anywhere else, How does that even count as learning right
1: yeah no i agree Uh, with that i think that's one thing that people really discount a lot of things
0: Mm -hmm. The, the second point there is how uh you're just trying to make complicated things seem simple and that's a really valuable skill as well uh you're trying to take all these complicated academic theories about socializing and group dynamics and just breaking it down into clicking buttons and people ending up hanging out or someone presents uh needlessly complicated equations to discuss supply chain and operations management uh, when really, if they just taught it in terms of seventh grade math, everyone would understand what's going on immediately. Uh, exactly. So that's that's a, real, a really interesting her, story.
1: Yeah, the second I told her, look, it's just like you were doing like you know math. It's you just make it and solve for x, and she like understood immediately. And it was just kind of like if you kind of extrapolate out like the basics, sometimes it just it's confusing to people.
2: Yeah, it's yeah. great. I think that's a problem with with business education too. Is that it's less about teaching how to think and more about teaching you how to uh follow a process
1: yeah which is sometimes like i've kind of learned there is a there is a like a good thing sometimes of following a process but then there's also you need to understand that process
0: yeah yeah but Uh, you have
1: to do both in a way you know you have Mm to so i think that's one thing i've struggled with is like i always try to understand everything instead of just like doing it
0: yeah it's super valuable Um,
1: yeah but at the same time it is valuable sometimes it, it sets you behind if you spend too much time trying to understand something instead of just getting it done and there, there is a balance. Um, and this is—I'm taking this from another—you know—podcast I heard between actually it was Jocko and Jordan Peterson. But it is like really one of the most like eye-opening kind of like things to me. It was like just play the game, right? It's like sometimes like you're in a situation and like you can see there's better things to do in that situation, or there's a, a higher purpose or goal. But sometimes you have to play the game and just kind of like, go at it. And yeah. then, like, once you get to a certain point, you have enough resources or, like, whatever you have or need to then start making those changes. And so, you know, it's, like, sometimes you just have to, you know, play the game. Because sometimes I spend so much time studying and trying to understand a concept rather than just, like, you know, working a bunch of problems, you know. Because there, there's an understanding of problems. But I know, like, a lot of times in engineering, you can just, like, look at the formula several times
3: mm-hmm.
1: and then just figure out the exact way to set the formula up and then, you know, run through it instead of understanding why am I setting up this way, like what is happening when I manipulate it this way? And like what does that mean?
3: And
0: yeah. there's so many times I think
1: I was able I, to do yeah.
0: Also I was gonna say I'm gonna challenge you a little bit on that because I, I yeah. sometimes my tendency is to play the game a little too much and like only play the mm-hmm. game. Uh because in certain yeah. academic contexts you can totally do fine and get A's and get hundreds on tests just playing the game if you play the game well enough. Like you know WebAssign, uh just the math yeah. they're the classic examples you do, try another version it just changes the colors in red of the numbers in the equation. You do try another version enough times and you realize that the answer just is going to be three times the first red number times the next red number. Then you don't learn any of the process. Uh, so it's definitely, so playing the game is good for certain contexts, but I think net better off you're you're better off for actually taking the time to understand things, even if it's more time consuming and auto is the most efficient in the moment. Like you said, you're, through doing that, you're expanding your capacity as a learner to be able to learn harder things in the future and come to solutions on your own. So I, I, I don't know if I. Agree well, I think
2: that he, I think that what what he's talking about specifically in that podcast from Jocko, and I haven't George listened to it, is not. Well, yeah. I'm either, but I'm extrapolating. Um, yeah, it's not, a, <laughs> it's not about academic settings. It's about um, like life. You know, bureaucracy. If you have to wake up at six a.m. and drive across town, don't lose five hours of sleep thinking about how you have to get up six a- at six a.m. and struggling with that. Yeah. Just play the game. Like get up, do you know, discipline equals freedom, just like mm-hmm. um, yeah. we were talking about earlier. But what
0: town takes and five even hours to that- drive across? Oh, <laughs> You're right about LA that. probably. Bad bad <laughs> uh... nah, I'm just messing with you. Yeah, you are. Uh oh, sorry, my AirPod died. Uh... that's fine. You're good. Yeah, can you guys hear me? Yeah. You're yeah, still fine. You're good.
1: Okay, cool. So, uh, yeah, like one thing I playing the game as well, Lewis, it's like, think about it this way. If I spend so much time on my homework, you know, cause I have like you know four or five different classes I have to deal with. Right. Mm-hmm. If it's faster for me just to just like get my homework done then that's good, but I also do need to learn the things. But if I spend all my time trying to understand everything to a super deep level, I won't get all my work done.
0: Yeah, you have to play the extent it, in exactly. Yeah,
1: and to play, you have to balance everything. So mm-hmm. it's not just playing the game or it's not just understanding. It's like you have to manage both. And if you do mm-hmm. them in balance, you know, it, it'll elevate, I think, both skills.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it seems um, like you and I represent you're
1: not the two extremes.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say, it seems like you and I represent the two extremes of that. I, my tendency is just to play the game and not yeah. learn, not learn the material in a deeper, meaningful sense until the last minute when yours is. Try to learn it right away because you're just intellectually curious about doing so. Yeah. And then struggling to just finish everything because you took three days to learn it. Uh, yeah. But you are not a perfect and That's, and that's what's down. frustrating because sometimes Kyle's like the perfect in. balance. Kyle's the perfect. <laughs> <middle child. laughs> Kyle's got the perfect allocation of his time spent uh, tinkering and figuring things out and time spent <laughs> just uh, looking for the answers on Quizlet or whatever.
1: Perfect.
0: Thanks, <laughs>
2: Lewis. I appreciate that.
0: Yeah, but that's because you're an accounting major. So I mean, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Uh, Kyle, this is a fun question uh, for Brian. If you could ask for any advice from any historical, or if you could ask advice from any historical figure, who would it be, and what would you ask them?
3: Oh goodness, living,
0: living or dead?
2: Okay, well, living
3: or dead? let's just say dead.
1: All
3: right, we will just just limit it to dead.
0: Holy, uh, past a hundred years. Let's say, good. yeah, there's like
1: one person that jumps to mind immediately, let's but us go with that. like who I want oh,
0: yeah.
1: well, yeah, to answer, but we're going to go.
2: Okay. Yeah, dude, that was a very good answer for me and Lewis. <laughs>
0: we do like Ben oh, Franklin really? here. Oh yeah. Big Ben, big Ben Franklin fans. Tell Tell me why Kyle go for well, it. We
2: both, we both have read, um, most of his um autobiography and yeah i was obsessed with him before just because of like the man literally like invented america that's what i was gonna say he he saved like the american revolution pretty much you can you can accredit i don't even know what the percentage of it is to him but i mean the reason we won is because we had french support and he's the reason that we got French support. Yeah, that's true. And and um, I don't know, just reading that biography and the way that he thinks and like how far ahead of his time he really was, it's it's just mind blowing. Um, he's always been fascinating
1: to me. Um, as a little kid, he was my favorite founding father. I had my mom read me every single book on him that we could find, including the autobiography. Which, like, I need to reread those things because. I was probably like just free public
0: domain. Oh
1: yeah, I'll yeah. definitely like need to read over it. But I just remember like because because there's a family there's a family story, and I think it's I think it's a little bit legitimate because my dad's done some more digging. Um, that we're actually related to Benjamin Franklin, like you know, way down the line. Um, my dad recently was just in North Carolina looking around, and he found a grave because our family comes from that area.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: It was I think it was Jonathan, brother of like I don't remember if it was Jonathan. I don't think it was him. But it was another brother. Because he had like 13 siblings. Yeah. And it was like, you know. He was the some, I think, Yeah, he was the youngest. And then it was like Jonathan, like, you know, Franklin of like, brother of Benjamin of American fame. So, like, I could potentially be related to, like, that extended family somewhere.
2: Oh, my goodness. Well, or what, were were would sense, like, what would you yeah. ask
1: uh, dude, oh, Man. I was just kind of like, how would you? He just was so interesting in the way of, like, how he thought about things. Like, exactly what you were saying. Yeah. Like my favorite story, I remember it could be an autobiography. I try to remember. I
3: That's all right. I think this
1: is a real story. It was uh, the story about how, in grade school, they were like taught to memorize like certain phrases in Latin, and then um, he, he had like a really good friend that like struggled with it a lot, and he like helped him learn his like phrase, and the teacher when Benjamin went up to recite his phrase in Latin um the teacher called out his friend's phrase instead of like his own phrase that so like instead of like just saying what he knew cuz he'd helped his friend study he just kept quiet cuz the teacher got it wrong and got in trouble cuz the friend wouldn't been ready um and i just I, that's not necessarily the question i'd ask but i guess the question i'd ask would probably be uh
0: how to set like, up the user funnel of, for locality
1: maybe yeah no it, no but for real though it would be like you know how did you go about like balancing like kind of what we we're talking about earlier it's like balancing you know, all your thinking, all your experimenting, and playing around, right? Because he, he he honestly just played.
3: Mm-hmm. He was know, very playful.
1: things. Yeah, he, he was experimental, but he also got results out of his experiments. Like, and I feel like sometimes one of the reasons it might be difficult today is to get something out of thought, is because you know the the levels and the complexity that all of us are now thinking is much deeper than it used to be, right? Like, um, not deeper, but in the extent of like nowadays, like. You know the, the, we're playing with, we're higher. playing with what we're playing with yeah. atoms that's the new frontier right mm-hmm. it's not we're playing with like concepts
0: anymore. a lot of the hard stuff has been figured out already <laughs> yeah that, that's a good so way. the thinking. only new stuff to figure out is even harder
2: and yeah. like back then you know people were worried about um, telling their fields and like you know we, we have a lot a lot easier lives so it, yeah it, we're left with a lot more time to to think about this and that versus all right well i have to go wake up and plow this field with my oxen like yeah i don't know yeah it's a lot different
0: a lot of, a lot of the reason he was able to do that and be so playful and inventive was he was retired very early in his career uh so he had that i mean 30 40 years of productive retirement to build and invent and create social groups but that's enough of a that's enough on ben franklin check out his autobiography it's in the public domain you can get on yeah. Apple iBooks for free. Anybody worth a read for sure. Uh, Kyle, do you have a, a question? I got a bunch here, but I don't um, know what you to ask.
2: I, I think maybe we should go through uh, coronavirus, but also I want to know how you like your coffee. <laughs> oh, my coffee?
0: Yeah. yeah, We've been to coffee shops before, so I should know this as your friend, but I don't.
1: Oh, yeah. So uh, if I'm making my own coffee, I just like black a little bit of cream. But if I go somewhere, I'll get a white chocolate mocha with like half the white chocolate mocha, like the white chocolate syrup, Uh, like half sweet. It's like, I like the taste of it, but it's like way too sweet. So I just like want a lot of coffee with a little bit of that syrup in it, basically. That might be a move.
2: Yeah, it's pretty good. Those things are always so sweet.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, Kyle, got the coronavirus question.
2: Loaded up, not necessarily any question, but I would <laughs> but, like to, to, to talk about it with you just because I haven't seen you in a while and it's kind of a most yeah. pressing, pressing event that's happening yeah. in the
0: world right now. Um, yeah, it is. What's it like where you are? You're where right now in Georgia, I'm assuming. I'm
1: in Georgia, in my hometown. Uh, there are nine confirmed cases of coronavirus publicly, but Public we know confirmed. some people who work at the like hospital and stuff, they're like friends. And there are at least You're two, going to publish doctors. It, this you know. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. This doesn't count. Like it's not reported to who, right?
0: <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, we've got a pretty large listening base already. Some high uh, high yeah. up offices.
2: <laughs> yeah, I didn't think about how nobody's gonna listen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway, uh, so it's like those just aren't, those like the a few doctors that aren't reported in uh, like listings yet, at least. um But also, like, here it's not too bad. One of the biggest issues is, like, people aren't actually quarantining themselves. Um, We live in a not super educated... Yeah, like, not everyone's super well-educated here. Um, So, because, like, we had someone come to my dad's office and, like, drop stuff off, and, like, we handed it to him. Like, he stood out something or we handed him the stuff, but... It was, like, he was saying, like, over at Home Depot, like, there are just, like, dozens of people there because they're off work now, and they want to, like, work on stuff. So, they're just all crowding Home Depot. <laughs> you know, not.
0: <laughs> that sounds like a stock tip.
1: Yeah. Dude, honestly, like, honestly, I'm so mad at myself. Because, like, if I had been, like, not paying attention to school, I would have had the epiphany of, like, I should invest in, like, video game companies.
0: Yeah, or Zoom. There.
2: <laughs> yeah, or Zoom, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But, um, yeah, no, so for I just...
0: Yeah. yeah, what do you
2: what do you think um is going to come of this? What 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 consumption patterns will change? How will how will yeah. the world uh change long term? If you know anything about the economic stimulus <laughs> package, what do you think about that?
1: I don't know enough to comment, but I will say this is kind of going a little backwards cuz you're saying like how are things going to change. Well, this is something in in a retrospective way. It's like if you look at back at history of other, you know, plagues and other things, You just let everyone die. This is kind of the first time society has said, we're going to stop economic production, right? We're going to slow it down to save one to 2% of the population of people, right? That's pretty amazing if you think about it, that we are willing to stop everything to save like one to 2% of the population, which is a lot of people. Like, don't get me wrong, that's a Mm -hmm. huge number of people.
0: No, but historically, it's just let them die.
1: Exactly. Historically, it's let them die. We have to support ourselves. We have enough now that we can continue on without focusing on production?
2: Well, I think that the argument is not that one to 2% of people won't die in the end. I think that the, the, the stopping of the um, economy is so that the medical like field just doesn't get absolutely obliterated by um, like a mass influx of people needing attention. exactly
0: but that's that's definitely interconnected because the reason we want to stop that from happening is to prevent masses massive amounts of people from dying you know what i mean
1: exactly because like if the medical you know companies and hospitals get over flooded right well they can't properly care for everyone and they'll die yeah um which is just really interesting to think it's it really is just a numbers game you know it's it's like if we can forestall this um we'll have enough room for people to be you know healed and we'll or, see yeah, how at least receive proper proper care per se. Mm-hmm.
0: We will see how it plays out. Uh, yeah, Kyle, that's that's all I had. I think this was a very fun conversation. We always love chatting with you. We'll have to go to the river walk go for a jog, go swimming, do some sort of spontaneous yeah. activity together in Tuscaloosa. Uh, guess get so some, some white chocolate mochas, <laughs> half sweet, no sweet.
1: Yeah, I'm just hoping to get everything back. To normal sooner or later, but it's probably gonna be at least at least until August. This is gonna be normal.
0: Yeah. I so. don't know if our current idea of normal will be ever returned to or if we'll have permanent cultural differences. I, I think really like I, I will but... say
1: this that I've observed that kind of going back to Kyle's question like what are habits that are changing? Like I have noticed in a sense like um like there is a bigger sense of community that I really enjoyed like i feel like i've talked to my neighbors more and my parents have said kind of the same thing of like we've actually talked to our neighbors more like we're you know waving at each other from across the lawn or stuff like that we're still talking and when Mm -hmm. i go on a walk around the neighborhood i'm waving at everybody everyone seems more accepting to like do that
0: yeah that's nice
1: and it's just really interesting i'm really happy about that
2: rallying around a common enemy always brings people together i think
1: Yeah. yeah And I think that's just a great thing that's that this is hopefully going to do for our country is it's been so divided in a lot of ways that hope kind of get people to be like, we
0: care about each other again.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, so. completely.
2: It's
0: beautiful. Uh, well, yeah. thank you so much, Brian. This was, it was a lot of fun, guys. Thank you for joining us. Best of luck with locality. Hit us up if you want some user feedback and all that good stuff. That was uh, awesome. Appreciate it, man. Thanks, Brian. Thank you. Thank you
2: Okay. Well, that wraps up an interview with Brian Mathis. It was great. Lewis, what'd you think?
0: Yeah. Uh, super glad we invited Brian. He's a fun guy. Always good to talk to.
2: Absolutely. All right, everybody. Well, thanks for listening. Please leave us a review on iTunes if you don't mind and, and come back next time. Cool. Thanks, Kyle.